The following teaching is brought to you by Crosspoint Church. For sermon notes and other resources, visit go to crosspoint.com. Oh my gosh, we have this myopic sense of how terrible things are. Way worse back then. They had a tax system in place back then. There was, in order to come to church and be at church, there was a religious tax that you did. Then there was the Jewish taxes you had to pay because you're a Jewish country, Israel. And then because Rome had occupied Israel, you also paid Roman taxes too. You got triple dipped on taxes back, back then. The taxes were too high. There was, in our system today, people are talking about it. You just, I actually have stopped watching a lot of news, but the big buzzwords out there right now is all about division, right? The country's never been this divided. And some of you go, yeah, some of you have been around a little longer. No, it's been this divided before. It's been this nasty before. But the two-party system has us so polarized and so divided. And the tone of it is this. If you don't believe the way I believe, see the issues the way I see them, and vote the way I vote, you're stupid and you're evil. That's, that's the trajectory of both parties are doing this to each other right now. It's a two-party system. Imagine now it's not a two-party system, but it's a two-country system. Back when Jesus shows up on the scene in the first century in Israel, it's not a two-party system. Well, there's two parties that are there for sure in Israel. There's also two countries that are ruling the same geographical thing. Israel kind of rules their country. You also have Rome that has occupied the world. They're the world empire is occupying Israel. You have a two-government system going at each other. And so, of course, because of that, just like there is today, I don't know if you've paid attention on social media, if you post a lot about conspiracy theories on social media, I have blocked you. I'm just telling you that right now. And not because I think, you think, because I think your things are wrong or stupid. I just don't have time for them anymore. My brain hurts just trying to keep up with everything that I'm trying to figure out and going on right now. So there's conspiracies and conspiracy theories everywhere. And depending on what you think about those and what's really going on, please don't be mad. I'm not telling you that you're stupid or wrong. I'm saying they're everywhere out there. Put you on tilt. There weren't just conspiracies in the first century. There, there were conspiracy theories. There were conspiracies uprisings all the time. You know, the, back in January, the big Capitol uprising where people stormed the Capitol, all that was like, oh yeah, that was last month. That was Tuesday. Happened all the time back then. These uprisings and this, it was tense and like dark and like, what's going to happen? Who's, how many people got killed in, in that one? Um, what else do we have here? Government overreach. Anybody experienced government overreach in the last two years? So you go, can I raise my hand about that here? Yeah. Uh, and here's the part about government overreach is that back then and today, our governing authorities pass rules and regulations for all of us to abide by that they don't live by. And it makes you so angry, so frustrated. And, and we live in, a, in a, a system where we still sort of have a voice to be able to vote people in and out of office. Back then, you have no choice. Overreach, do what we say, not what we do. This just happened all the time. Heavy taxation, government overreach, uh, policies that they don't live by, empty religion everywhere. Uh, people just do church and they just go kind of go through the motions. Now, that's not you guys here, but at some point too in our 21st century and first century, there's this sense of like, oh, is there any life to this? Or am I just kind of going through the motions? And then kids and teenagers, students, sorry, high school kids. As I saw this on social media this week. Maybe one of your parents posted it. It says, it's going to be up here on the screen. The children now love luxury. They have bad manners, contempt for authority. They show disrespect to adults. They contradict their parents, 
are tyrants over their teachers. They think of nothing but themselves. They have no respect for parents or old age. They talk as if they alone knew everything. And what passes for wisdom with us is foolishness with them. As for girls, they are forward and immodest in speech, behavior, and dress. And some of you are going, man, these kids these days. You know who wrote that? Socrates in 439 B.C. It's a mess, and it's always been a mess, the, the darkness that's out there. And you look around and go, here's what happens, too. It's been a mess for so long. We sometimes get so used to the sin and the suffering and how terrible it is. We just kind of go, that's just the way it is. There's the general sense of malaise. And it takes something shocking to make us go, oh, my God, what's going, what's going wrong with the world? It takes a school shooting to make us go, man, something's bad wrong here. What's going on? And you guys, you guys notice now that even a school shooting, it's like, oh, just the latest one. There's so many of them now going everywhere. It gets, to get really, really get a sense of like how awful and terrible it is. And that's why I love some of the bands. I, I like Christian music and Christian bands. I listen to them all the time. I think they do much better music now than they did back when I was younger. Um, but some of the bands that are out there are fantastic. I like listening to other bands too, and I know you get angry at me because I listen to terrible, evil, demonic, satanic music, but Nine Inch Nails, Thrice, Linkin Park, bands like that, from time to time we'll talk about stuff in a raw, gritty, grimy, very unspiritual, very unholy way. You couldn't put the, well, some of the lyrics you could actually put in the Bible because you just read the book of Psalms sometimes. Talks about this idea, something has gone terribly wrong. There's this, they talk about this crawling in my skin, this wound that will not heal. And they recognize that it's so bad there. But what happens for us is like all these beautiful lights in here, if we turn them off all at once, you go, oh my God, it's dark in here. But if we put a dimmer on in here and just slowly but surely turn it off, you know what happened to your eyes? You get used to it. If we turn everything off and just the green exit lights on, you guys, you could see enough to go, we could just do, we'd be fine. You would figure it out. Things dim down. We get just used to it, just the, the darkness, the way it is. We, we don't realize that sin and evil and the consequences of this are everywhere. This, just this year in our church, this past year, we've had people that have died. Now, we hear that and go, well, everybody dies. Do you realize that's not the way it's supposed to be? And when you experience death for yourself, you go, I hate this. You just hear about one more person dies, somebody else died with nothing certain in the world but death and taxes. Just pain and suffering are just kind of part of the deal. And you look at, okay, it's like you said, I'm so, you're so glad you came to church today, right? On Thanksgiving weekend to hear about how terrible and awful and evil the world is. And guess whose fault it is? You're looking at it. And the world's going to tell you, the culture's going to tell you, you know, it's the government system, so let's elect new people. Economics, education, counseling, psychology, all those things are the solution. If we could just get smarter, get more emotionally intelligent, make more money, get rid of all, it's, I'm telling you right now, the Bible's going to tell us that it's our fault. Genesis chapter 3, uh, there's the story, the Bible is like a big massive movie. Before the credits have even stopped rolling, the whole thing has gone tilt south sideways. Adam and Eve, the original human beings, decide, you know what, God, forget you. We'll do what we want with who we want, when we want. You can't tell us what to do. And this curse of sin comes into our world. And the problem with the world is sin. And I know sin is not one of those really cool words to use anymore because we use things like, oh, we're just screwed up or I have problems or I, I have struggles. No, your problem is sin. It's rebellion against God. And I can prove it to you. Parents out there, any parents out there? Yeah, parents out there. When it came to teaching your, your kids, did they learn to talk on their own? 
Not really. You had to teach them to talk, right? Uh, to, to eat on their own. Well, like this, but I mean with civilized eating, with knives, with forks. And, you had to teach them, right? To, to read. You had to teach them, right? To, 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 to walk on their own. They had to be taught how to do that. No one ever had to teach your children how to do this at Walmart. No one taught them. And the next one here too. No one teaches them how to throw a fit. Your kids, I'm telling you today, from the moment they breathed their, breathed their first breath, they were wretched, black-hearted sinners. And if you don't believe that, you're going to jack your kids up. Because you think they're beautiful snowflakes and just teach them well and let them go their way. Show them all the beauty they possess inside and they've made a mess out of the world. And some of you were that generation raised on that nonsense. Sin is the problem. Paul talks about it in the book of Romans. So in your Bibles, find the book of Romans. Uh, navigate there on your mobile device, Romans chapter 1. Paul in Romans is laying out this big, massive, like the big, great courtroom drama movie where he lays out the problem with the world and the solution for it. But before he can get to the solution, he has to diagnose the problem and tell us how jacked up, how messed up the world is. Romans chapter 1, find verse 18. It says this. But God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. They know the truth about God because he's made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. Understand something here. The problem with the world is not atheists. Because there are some people that are philosophically atheists. They don't believe in God and they have all the reasons why. Our problem is not philosophical atheism. Our problem is practical atheism. We live as if God doesn't exist. That's the world we, we live in. We don't worship God. We worship someone or something else. We don't give thanks to God. We just become entitled and whine and cry all the time. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result... Their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. You know what another word for utter fools is? Morons. I mean, not just like foolish and like I don't get it, like complete fools, morons. Aren't you so glad you came to church today? I'm talking about you, you morons. And instead of worshiping the glorious ever-living God, they worshiped idols and make them look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. So God, and you would think God went, crushed them, blew them up, and started again. No. So God abandoned do whatever shameful things they wanted. He said, you want to live your life by your instincts, by your appetites, by your desires? Knock yourself out. And he says in the first, if you read the rest of the, ch the first chapter of Romans, what he's going to tell us is the first thing when you start to live by your instincts and desires, in every culture, you can study this in anthropology and sociology and every kind of biology that's out there. The first thing that tends to go weird and wonky and wild is the sexuality gets all twisted and we make up stuff and it gets all weird and bizarre and craziness. And we're living in a world right now that we feel like, oh my gosh, we've reached the end. I'm telling you right now, sexuality getting twisted is just the beginning stages of what happens when a, when a culture turns their back on God. And Paul, to make sure we don't miss this, is going to give us a list of what culture looks like, what a society looks like when it's really gone bad. And it's not sexuality issues. And it's not gender transformation. All that, None of that stuff. That's all just the beginning signs. Look at it. Verse 28. 
Since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, he abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that should never be done. You think, oh my God, what's this going to be? Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder. That's a big one. And then after murder, quarreling. In the same list as murder, killing people, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip, also known as social media. They are backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, and boastful. They invent new ways of sinning, and they disobey their parents. The family just breaks down. They refuse to understand, break their promises, are heartless, and here's our culture day, and have no mercy. They know God's justice requires that those who do these things deserve to die, yet they do them anyway, whereas yet they encourage others to do them too. And look at that, go, oh my gosh, that's the world, it's jacked up, it's a mess, and it's so easy for us to go, but we're here at church on a weekend. So that's, and chapter two talks about, okay, now let's talk about all you good spiritual religious people. Paul's gonna tell us you're just as bad. In fact, in some ways you're worse because you don't see how bad you are because you have put a lot of nice dressing on everything and you sit in church and you go to church and you give money to church and join a small group. You sip your $5 lattes and get Amazon drop shipped to your house. I ordered something on Friday afternoon. It was in my house at 10 o'clock the next morning. That's crazy. We live in that world and we, don't, we can kind of lose track of the fact how messed up we ourselves are as good, decent, spiritual, moral people here who vote the right way and give the right way and do all that. You say, you're a mess. Religion doesn't make you right with God. Religion will actually drive you farther away from God. In fact, he says at the end of chapter 2, look at uh, verse 28 again. For you are not a true Jew just because you were born of Jewish parents or because you've gone through the ceremony of circumcision. I want to rewrite this for us again today because I think if Paul were writing in the 21st century to Western civilization here, he would say it this way. For you are not a true Christian just because you were born of Christian parents or because you've gone through the ceremony of baptism. No, a true Jew, a true Christian is one whose heart is right with God and true circumcision, true baptism is not merely obeying the letter of the law, not just going through the ceremonies, it's a change of heart produced by God's Spirit. And a person with a changed heart seeks praise from God, not from people. They go, look, I don't care about what everybody thinks about me and trying to measure up everybody else. I care what God thinks about me. And God tells you you're a sinner in need of a Savior. You've got to get right with God. And then Paul thunders away at the end of chapter 3. Chapter 3, verse, verse 10, he says, No one's righteous, not even one. No one's wise, no one's seeking God. All have turned away. All have become useless. And he goes on to say in verse 20, no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. Now, you know how offensive that is? What, what he's saying there is no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the Bible says. You're not going to be made right with God. You, are, you have no ability on your own to live up to the standards in here. You don't have it. All the Bible does, all the law does is simply show us how jacked up sinful we are. You're going, thanks for coming to church today, man. I'm glad I heard a message about jacked up, messed up we are. I told you, the worst Christmas message you've ever heard. And I'm telling you, it's about to get worse. The Bible is also going to tell us, it's going to make it very clear to us that, that sin is not just a moral thing that we do. Sin makes us stupid. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 1, claiming to be wise we instead become morons. And we just live our lives being stupid and ridiculous. Jeremiah, if you want to turn there, Oh, we're going to be in Isaiah and Jeremiah in here a bit. Find the book of Jeremiah if you want to. The verses will be up here on the screen. Jeremiah 33. I'm sorry, Jeremiah 30. 
Jeremiah's going to tell us that we, we, we don't just have a problem with sin and stupidity. We have a problem that it's like a sickness we have. This, oh, we're a mess. Verse 12 and 13, this is what the Lord says. Your injury is incurable, talking about sin. A terrible wound. There is no one to help you or bind up your injury. No medicine can heal you. You cannot fix yourself. And then if you want to read some graphic things in the Bible, it'll make you go, dang, I couldn't, can't believe that's in the Bible. It's actually kind of rated R kind of language. Read Ezekiel and Hosea sometime. We, we don't do Hose- lessons on Hosea in children's ministry. Just so you know, it's all about a holy prophet of God told to go down to Fifth Street and find a whore down there and marry her and let her leave you and abuse you and all that stuff. He tells that story about our parallel of our relationship with God. So sin makes us stupid, it makes us sinful, it's, it's, it makes us sick, and it's spiritual adultery. We're completely unfaithful to God. And some of you are going, well, that's not me. I have a, this debate with a buddy of mine all the time. We're good people. There's good people in the world. And I'll tell you right now, nope. We, we, if you believe in evolution, that we are, we started here and we're getting better and better and better. I don't know how anybody believes that anymore. It's like the evolutionary chart, you know, that has like the frog that becomes the ant, that beca- you know, and it eventually comes like the people walking upright. We should just flip that around. What we're becoming is, we're not evolving, we're devolving. We're becoming more instinctual. We're becoming more like animals. The world's a, a mess out there. And then some of you are going, but I do good things. I'm a good person. <laughs> That's because you're comparing yourself with everybody else and you think you're not evil because you're not Jeffrey Dahmer, Dahmer or Adolf Hitler. You didn't realize the evil of rolling your eyes at your wife because of some dumb thing she did when she was decorating the house yesterday. Evil. Not just, oh, that was a mistake. Evil. L- losing your mind of that thing you posted. Being a jerk to your mom and dad. Things that you think and nobody even hears about or sees, just in your own mind, the lust of your heart and your soul, evil, not just mistakes. And let, lest you think, okay, but I do some good things once in a while. Let's see what God thinks about the good things once in a while. Isaiah 64. And guys, I'm just the mailman delivering the mail today. I'm, I, you can take it up with God. 64, Isaiah 64, verse 6. We are all infected and impure with sin. When we display our righteous deeds, they are nothing but filthy rags. Now, what's fascinating about that word filthy rags there, Bible translators don't know quite what to do with this word and have it in the Bible. And I want to get really graphic with you here today, but filthy rags, ladies, is the stuff you put in the trash can in the bathrooms. That's exactly what the word is here. Imagine your kids come to you at Christmas time, moms and dads, and they come to you with a box all wrapped up, you go, Mom and Dad, I just love you so much. Here's, I just, oh, I look, here's my, wow, amazing. And you open it up, and what you see in there is that. God says, that's what your righteousness is in the sight of God. I told you it's bad. It's, it's bad, and it's worse than you think it is, and we sometimes just get so used to it. But the good news is, is that someone's coming. And if someone is not you, you can't fix yourself. God said, you're a mess. I love you so much, I'm going to send someone. Someone is on the movies. Like the, all the great movies. Uh, every, everything from like, the, 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 they'll do a new, new Matrix movie coming out this Christmas. Remember in the Matrix, the world's a mess, and are you the one? Remember in the Chronicles of Narnia, it's, the, it's always winter and never Christmas because of the white witch, but Aslan's on the move. 
someone's coming. And there's a, a famous uh, prophecy that Isaiah writes down in Isaiah chapter 9. Turn back there in your Bibles. Actually, Isaiah 8. About that, and he wrote it 700 years before Jesus shows up. He says, someone's coming. That the world's a mess. But before he talks about how someone's coming and how awesome it's going to be, he starts with, it's a mess. In chapter 8, he says, don't think like everybody else thinks. Everybody else is a mess, jacked up. He says, look, you should preserve the teaching of God, not preserve the teaching of Google and Facebook and Instagram and TikTok. He says, shouldn't people look to God? Instead, you look to the occult and New Age religions and spirituality. You look to the internet. You look to, what are you doing, he says. And look at verse 20. Chapter 8, verse 20. Look to God, God's instructions and teachings. People who contradict his words are completely in the dark. They will go from one place to another, weary and hungry. Guys, this is our world right now. Some of you, this is some of you today. You're just sick and tired of being sick and tired. And you've gotten so used to sin, and once in a while you just kind of go, man, I, th I thought it'd be better than this. And then there's a hunger, and it's not just physical hunger, it's emotional hunger. It's spiritual hunger, it's mental hunger going, I have tasted of everything out there trying to feel happy and whole and satisfied and all it's done is just make me sick and make me more hungry. This is what happens when we reject God and go our own way because of sin, the world we find ourselves in. Because they're hungry, they'll rage and curse their king and their God. That's what we do. We rage against politicians saying, fix it for us. Do something for us. And when they can't, we rage against them and when God doesn't uh, snap, we snap our fingers and tell God to fix it. He doesn't. We rage against God. They will look up to heaven and down at the earth, but wherever they look, there'll be trouble and anguish and dark despair. They'll be thrown out into the darkness. And if I was... Hmm, there's almost part of me today that wanted to go, we're going to stop right there and just let you walk out of here thoroughly depressed. Just going, man. So did you come back next week to hear the answer? But let me give you just a quick bit of the answer. It says, they'll be thrown out into the darkness. And we have Bibles that are all separated in chapters. The original scriptures were not that way. Thrown out in darkness. What's that next word? Nevertheless. That time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. Guys, for some of you that are in jacked up places right now, I just did a, a wedding a renewal of vows last week uh, for a couple who's sitting here. I'm not going to embarrass them because they know who they are. And they talked about they were in darkness and despair and they thought this is hopeless and it's going to go on forever. The promise of the gospel is it will not go on forever. Verse 2, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness... A light will shine. This is exactly what Paul says in Romans. After he says in Romans chapter th 3 where he says, no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. So not even the Bible can get you right with God. He says, but now. That's the big nevertheless. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. And here it is. People, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who you are, rebellious or religious, you're all even uh, level playing field at the foot of the cross. 
And he's going to tell us in, in Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 8. I'm not going to read it for you today because of time. But in Romans 5, 6, 8, read it later. It says, very rarely will anybody die for a righteous person, but God shows his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Before we got our act together, before we went, God, we've made a mess out of things. We're sorry, God. Before there was repentance and any sorrow and remorse, while we were still giving God the middle finger saying, go away, leave us alone, God's, what's crazy is God sent a person here. But here's what's Christian, so revolutionary about Christianity and the way of Jesus is he doesn't send a person to us with another book of rules and regulations to go, okay, we're going to redo and we're going to get you, we're going to show you guys how to get yourself right with God. I said, you can't do it. It's obvious you can't do it. He sends us, before he sends us a new code, a new religion, he sends us a person. He sends us a person and it tells us in a world of unbelievable, unreal problems and pain, the people walking in darkness will see a great light. You're going, the light's going to come. We think, well, God's going to come and whatever. Look at verse six. For unto us, child is born. Unto us, a son is given. A baby in a manger where the glory of God comes to be the light of the world. And Mary and Joseph are told, when you have that baby, name him Jesus. You know what he's going to do? He's going to save the world from their sin. So we have unreal problems with an unbelievable person who's coming. The band's going to come up right now. Gritty, grimy stuff about the real world that we live in. But Christmas, honestly, if all we ever do is see bright lights and candy canes and beautiful decorations and awesome food, we'll miss the fact that why Jesus came. Came to be the light of the world in a, in a situation where what you're facing and what your friends are facing at Christmas time can seem overwhelming, seem bewildering, seem confusing. The people who are walking in darkness, drinking $6 lattes, driving nice cars, getting stuff shipped overnight have seen a great light. And his name is Jesus. We celebrate him today. That's who we're all about here today. Uh, In the four corners of the room, there are communion stations that represents the body and the blood of Jesus. It's bread and juice that symbolizes what Jesus, the little baby in the manger, did for us 33 years later by hanging on a cross. That's the most important thing about Jesus' life. I always find it fascinating. We spend four or five weeks on Christmas and a week on Easter. I think we got that completely backwards, but that's another rant for a different day. That's why every week we celebrate Easter here by saying, come to tables of communion with some bread and just remember Jesus. Our prayer team is in the back. The kings are back there who you just heard up here about Advent. If you got stuff going on in your life, if you're in a place of just going, God, I'm just sick of it. And the sick of it might be on a scale of one to 10, might be a three or four or five. Some of you are at a sick at a nine or 10. Just sick of it. And you have words to say that you don't even feel right saying in church, but just go back and talk to them. Let them talk with you and pray with you about what, what's just in your heart and life there. And then we're going to sing today. And when we sing today, we're not going to sing like this and sing this. We're going to sing because the people us morons who walk in great darkness have seen a great light. His name is Jesus. Jesus, today, in a world full of darkness, you came 
and show this, this unbelievable light. And today, right here, right now, we're just going to tell you that we love you and want to know you better. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. For more resources, check out go to crosspoint.com.